Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. For this podcast, it's a pleasure to have Queensland Ambulance Service Deputy Commissioner Dee Taylor Dutton, ASM. Dee's role has accountability for managing all aspects of QAS frontline operational service delivery across the southern regions of Queensland and the State Operations Centre. She's responsible for the ongoing coordination of all QAS resources and patient care and transport activities on a statewide basis as part of the Queensland Emergency Medical System for disaster management and mass casualty response across the southern part of Queensland. Dee commenced in 1995 as a student ambulance officer in Townsville. Dee has held positions with QIS in operations, communications, corporate services and management, as well as leading operational service delivery to rural, remote and urban communities across Queensland. Dee was promoted to the rank of Assistant Commissioner in 2011, serving in both the Southwestern region and the Gold Coast. Dee is the recipient of the National Medal and Ambulance Service Medal, and is also a graduate of the Australian and New Zealand School of Government and the Australian Institute of Company Directors. She also has a number of tertiary qualifications, including an Executive Master's of Public Administration, Bachelor Degrees in Law and Science, as well as an Associate Diploma in Applied Science. Dee is married to her husband, who is also a paramedic and has two children, 22 and 18, which is not dissimilar to the age of my own children. It's a pleasure to have Dee as my guest today. Our topic is leadership's role in providing a psychologically safe work environment, which I understand is a very important topic for you. Dee, to get us started, a broad question to, to start this, and that is... Sure. And actually, and I should say a couple of things here, that when we discussed about what topic we, we might choose, unlike other occasions where I find it takes a while to land on that topic, you are pretty quick to yeah. identify this topic, which to me says that it's a topic that's quite important for you personally. So please do tell me, why do you feel so strong about this aspect of organisational life? Thanks very much for having me, Andrew, and I really appreciate the time. I, I think this is really important because I think that we all want to feel like we can come to work. We are respected and can be respectful that we have something to contribute, which it will be valued, and that we can make mistakes, learn together, and do so in an environment where we aren't concerned of reprisal that we are feeling like, you know, we're making a genuine contribution in order to make the Queensland community safer, to make our workplace a better workplace. And I think that unless we have that type of environment, then people unfortunately don't feel like they're included. They don't feel like they can trust each other and uh, they become silent. And that means, of course, that uh, people go home and um, that impacts on their life outside of work. But it also really takes a very significant individual um, personal toll and it really does affect organisational performance. And certainly, uh, you know, your life within an ambulance service, my role in my service has uh, given me the opportunity to observe mm. ambulance officers and paramedics in operation and uh, I've got to say I've always had the utmost respect 
for the job they do and particularly when they work with our teams. Mm, uh, it's incredible. I know that the toll that the work we do brings with it a load on our people. And we've got so many things that are outside our control in the, in the sense of the work that we tend to. Absolutely. I sense that we, you and I agree that the notion of trying to provide a safe workplace where we can mm. under our control mm. is front and centre. Before you, you spoke about how functioning teams, I can't quite recall the words you used, but certainly as an example, my understanding is that that Google, which is a, a multinational uh, company, they have identified that psychological safety is one of their main differentiators in high-performing teams. Mm. What would be your comment to that? Why do you think that might be the case? Yeah, I think, I think it really does come down to psychological safety is about interpersonal group dynamics. And what Google found in Project Aristotle was 70% of whether a team is successful or not high-performing comes down to, and they got they disregarded all of the other variables um, and they, you know, they assessed them over two years, so they did a fair bit of work on it, and they came down to psychological safety contributed 70% of whether you are going to be innovative, whether you can be engaged and dynamic and whether you're going to be successful in sometimes failing but identifying mistakes and errors and being yeah. able to learn from them. And that's a big, I, that's a big number, 70%. 70%, that, yeah, that's, 100%. that's crazy high. And yeah. if you just said to me that that's the number that they're going to probably end up with, I would have said no way in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where they went too because they did a lot of work yeah. uh, in this particular area. And then Amy Erlinson's she's then leveraged off that and she's – just written some really good work over a number of years and doing a lot of podcasts herself and chats about this. But it, it and it really does identify that. And I think that we intrinsically know that. We know, I think, whether we feel safe in an environment. We know whether we feel like we can trust other people or whether we feel like people are trusting us with information. And in that type of environment, you can be who you are. You can be you know, bring your full self to work. You can be fully engaged. You can, you feel safe to speak up and call out good or, um, or not, so know, good. not so good areas that need to be addressed. And where that happens, we all thrive. I think, you know, that's, you'd like to think that's your friend group or you're like, you like, know, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, I've um, been in QAS for 26 years now. And I think he said you've been in 35, 35, 35 now. Yep. I, I was I was 11 when I joined. <laughs> that's just absolutely. <laughs> that's much <a> <laughs> but I think we've all worked in work environments, I hope, where we have genuinely felt like it's all synced, it's all worked, and you, you can't believe yeah, they, when they, you look back. Yeah, those magic moments where we've got a team around us for whatever reason, it, it works, it clicks. Where you um, build, where you, <clears> you feel like you extend as an individual and the team really extends, like together everyone you really grow, are Everyone grows, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's really what Google found. So what they said was if we were trying to identify the best team, what is it? And they looked at, you know, dependability, capability, all of those things, and they said, you know what, yeah, that's important, but it's still it's still not working. Like we can still find teams where that, that didn't sink. and But psychological safety was the number one driver, and so they have heavily invested in that to try and make it replicated and and then when that happens like I said not only individuals thrive but the team and the organization and uh, in our in our environments it means obviously the community and the public really do get great outcomes unlike Google that aren't related to money and yeah, yeah it's genuine yeah. public value the notion of when when this works well uh, and I think everyone who's listened to this and the people that you and I know in our life they're a bit agreement that yeah it's wonderful. Mm. When, when it works. Yeah. 
We do need though to talk about when it isn't when it isn't wonderful. Hundred percent. When people don't come to work and they don't bring their whole selves. Mm. Even thinking about that, I immediately feel that must be such a sad mm. life to mm. live. Mm. Think uh, for someone to not. Uh, feel safe enough that they can actually be themselves. And, mm. and I know that all our organisations and probably society more uh, broader mm. is struggling yeah. with this notion of how do you how do you let people feel included? Mm. And, and we could break off and we could talk about skin colour, gender, sexuality, and all those things yeah. that come to play here. But certainly thinking about the reasons and maybe some of the behaviours that have resulted in people making a choice to not bring their whole self to work. What's been your experience in terms of trying to confront, address, building? And I, and I, I do use the word building because I've really it's really clear in my mind that even when my own career ends, that some of these issues are going to be still a work mm-hmm. in progress. Mm-hmm. What, what's your take on what's been successful about providing such an environment and what's still a work in progress for us? Look, I think... Uh, everything you said is correct. And I don't think that once you've got it, you've always got it. I think it's always something that you're trying to, you know, it's it's like excellence. You'll never, ever achieve it. You're always trying to make little steps in order to make it even better. And that is a learning organisation. And that's really what we're trying to drive with this type of environment. I think that the risk factors, I suppose, if you read the research, but even in practice, I think, talked out of a meeting where this was actually, we were discussing this very issue in, in one of our stations. But as a leader, we don't have all the answers, right? These are really wicked, challenging issues we're dealing with in community and also in our organisations. And it's a very tight fiscal environment. There's always a demand for service. We can't necessarily meet there's community expectations that um, yeah. are exponentially large so many so many so, so, many saying so many different pressures on us to somehow to keep it so it's hard keep to keep to us. keep challenges and keep focus on these important matters yeah. so we need in that type of environment if we don't have all the answers we need to be engaging with the people that are delivering the services that are seeing firsthand what's working and what's not. We need every single person to be working together in order for our organisations to be as strong as they possibly can. And whether that's a team or whether that's a station or whether that's an organisation, doesn't matter. We really do need to have like an adaptive leadership style where we are each saying, I've got something to contribute, you know, like I want to be engaged, I want to be challenged, I want to be able to do that. And if we're in an environment where sometimes no one is talking about the things that you see every day or that you know are a real frustration, I think as a leader that should be a massive red flag and we should be saying, hang on a second, I know that these things are frustrating. How come I'm not hearing it? How come I'm getting told all the time it's all good, there's nothing to see here, you know? That should be the chat. That should be a really big flag to say, okay, hang on a second. People aren't feeling safe to tell me what's actually happening, uh, or to actually call themselves on. Do you not? You're not helping us achieve. You know, you haven't done the things that you needed to. With that in mind, because a lot of this stuff, I, I I try to personalize to think for me and the team and the people that are around me. What's it like? Do, do they trust me well enough? that they can call me out when they need to mm. or give me feedback that I may not um, like. like initially. Mm. And certainly I've had, uh, in my own experience, times where that just works perfectly, other times where silence happens and, to your point, 
Yeah, silence scares the hell out of me. Yeah, absolutely. Because under that silence lies uh, a lot of fear, pain, worry, concerns, yeah, just all mm. those things. It's certainly for me, whenever whenever I discuss these points with people, it reminds me that part of a safe environment for people to work in requires an environment that's going to be tolerant of the occasional mistake. Absolutely. So just talk to me about that point. What's your take on it? What's your attitude towards your people and and the notion that sometimes they may screw something up? Ambulance service delivery is, it's delivered by humans. And our paramedics, our patient transport officers, they are they are deploying to what that scene autonomously. They're, we don't have supervisors over their shoulder every day and that's not the environment that we work in. So we need to be able to trust them and they need to be able to trust that we've also got their back. And, and that we won't come down on them like a, a pile of bricks. Yeah, when we make mistakes. When, when a mistake's made. Because yeah. healthcare, like many other areas that we work in, it's not black and white. Life isn't black and white. There's a lot of grey and we operate in the grey every day. And whilst people may have very, very good intentions to do the right thing or to, you know, deliver the care that's required, sometimes you make a mistake and it might be that you've given the wrong drug drug dose or you've gone the wrong way up a street or you provided the wrong advice or whatever that is. If we don't create an environment as leaders and as um, members of the team where people feel safe to call out their mistakes and say, well, actually, I really mucked up there. If I react poorly to that, they're never going to tell they're me what happens they're, the next no, time. They're, 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 they're going to ground. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they will hide it. And then I won't know that it's an issue. And yeah. it could be that actually... Perhaps we need to improve the lighting in the vehicle so they can actually provide the drug with good lighting and not make the error or change the procedure because the dose is really hard to see on the the way that the syringe is detailed or whatever it is, yeah, you know, a thousand yeah. other examples. So we need to be able to create the environment where people are able to feel like they belong, that they can contribute, that we can learn together and then they hopefully will feel psychologically safe and then we'll be able to leverage off those opportunities. But how I react as a leader is going to be really important, but also how I, what the type of environment that I create, uh, I'm responsible for that as well. I'm working with people. Yeah, you reminded me as you're speaking about our reactions, there's an expression which is something like that we judge ourselves on our mm, intent, yet we, yet we judge others on their behaviour. And it's mm. such an easy trap for... Absolutely particularly emerging leaders, yeah. because I'm actively involved in trying to help young leaders, emerging leaders, get along, mm. uh, hopefully not make some of the mistakes I've made. And that's one of the things that I find myself talking to them about, that it's an easy trap to fall into, that you hold others to a higher level of outcome than you hold yourself to. And I think this kind of takes us into you know, matters of ego and, mm. and all these and bits. Vulnerability too. Yeah, and, mm. and certainly your authentic leadership, yeah. is, which is something now which is, I think, gaining traction. However, it's it's a bit like you know, my experience has been that for some reason, some of our leaders get this stuff fairly easily. Whether it's because they've had good people around them, yeah, that's right, yeah. or their own, they've yeah. been very active with their own education. Yeah. Others, it's almost like they keep making the same mistake, mistake over and over again. And certainly, whilst I'm, I'm very open to people making the occasional mistake, and particularly to your point earlier, if they're very quick to identify that and take ownership yeah, of that, the whole, the, or you don't, you, the whole thing becomes easier because yeah. you, you don't have to then 
walk them through their yeah, their, 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 their accountability mm. uh, and responsibility pathway. So with your leaders, what sort of things do you say to emerging leaders to help them be very mindful about making a, a safe environment? Now, I know you've covered a lot of territory already. Sure. You as a professional officer in your life, no doubt, like all of us who have been in our services for some time, yeah, we've got to see some really good examples and then we've got to see some mm. uh, appalling examples of yeah. uh, teamwork and leadership. Do you reflect back on some of the things that you saw earlier and, and has that helped you form your attitude to what your ideal world is yeah. in, the, in the context of a safe environment? Absolutely. I think hindsight is, is excellent, isn't it? You yeah, know, and, yeah. I, and I think that um, none of us have always worked in a perfect workplace I hope that some of us are working in that now but it's something we should aspire to and I do think you reflect on your experience that might not have been might not have been positive but also speaking with people and understanding how they react and um, being able to hear that they haven't had a good experience and what that looked like and then of course through reading and learning and asking questions I think you do wonder what what we can do better uh, in order to improve it and that's really all we can do I think we need to be curious not judgmental I think that we need to ask lots of questions we need to nurture people to ask questions and realize that no one has all of the answers and we have to be vulnerable for people to realize that you know I've made mistakes everyone's made mistakes and they're lying if they've told you that they haven't wisdom comes with age and experience it's not something you you don't get it on day one you've just got to be curious and you've just got to learn and try better next time around and I think that if people see you interacting like that then they will be open and share but you've also got to then do something about it you can't just listen you've actually got to take action and help resolve those issues remove barriers I always say I think that's our role what's your advice to uh, and I know that in our sector we have this where we have leaders who get to a point where either through being comfortable or feeling like they know it all, not as yeah. direct as that, but they, they feel they have the knowledge base that, that they don't necessarily need to work on themselves as much as they might have. Mm. What, what's your advice to them and what, and what that could result in? Well, I think it's really dangerous, um, not only for the organisation but also for the individual. Like I don't think we've ever got it nailed, right? Like excellence is something you always aspire to. You know, the people standing on the block at the Olympics and, the you know, swimming, um, they do their personal best. They might even hit the Olympic record, but they're immediately then looking for the next goal. You've got to keep setting yourself goals and challenging yourself. And life teaches you something every single day uh, about how to be a better human, how to be a better mum, how to be a better person uh, and leader. And we need to be open to that because life can set you back and how boring would it be to think that you've got it all nailed and you've got nothing else to learn? Like, what you've got nothing to live for then. You'd be a boring person. You you'd be a boring person to be around. No new stories, no <laughs> new lessons, no new, you know, analogies, nothing. Yeah, it'd be boring. Like, Why like, would you do it? I think Groundhog Day was a movie that they... Yeah, they did. That's they, exactly right. They, they, tried yeah. to, they tried to make that point. I just want to touch on how there's this perception that providing that safe psychological uh, workspace means that it's all about being soft mm. it's all about letting people whinge all the time or mm. uh, you know not take responsibility yeah. I, I don't agree with that but certainly when we end up discussing matters of contemporary human leadership 
then I find myself talking about the perceptions and trying to break down the perception sure. that being soft or being able to manage people is all you know, for the wimps. It's fluffy. Uh, yeah, it's fluffy. Now, any observations on mm. what you've seen through your career and wh where you are in your mind about these matters? I think my experience would say when you're speaking with people, particularly when sometimes they've made an error or, you know, you've got a disciplinary process or even just having a, um, a general ch chat, there's nothing more devastating than when people say, this is the first time I've ever received that feedback. Oh, yeah, I've heard, yeah, this um, is something Or I've I heard. didn't yeah. know that that yeah. was offending someone. And I just think you can, um, kindness, it does not help people grow. And I do want to receive feedback, you know. Like I can't fix something if I don't know about, if it. I don't know about yeah. it. And I think that's that's the approach we need to take. So kind, it, you know, psychological safety is actually about accountability. And what they say is that psychological safety on the left-hand axis and uh, accountability on the right and essentially the organisation you're trying to get to is where you actually have high psychological safety and high accountability. High accountability. Yeah. And when you've got that, you've got a learning culture. You're able to identify the mistakes, you're learning from it, you're able to call it out and improve. The absolute opposite of that is where you've got low safety, low accountability, and that's no one's engaged, it's apathy, I don't care, do whatever you want, no, don't it's, mind. It's, it's normally the you know, survival of the fittest uh, um, and you know, the wild, wild west or a jungle. Yeah, you're, totally, you're just yeah. agnostic, you don't yeah. care, you're not invested at all. And then, of course, if you've got really high accountability but really low psychological safety, uh, no one's going to tell you anything because they're really, really fearful that you're going to there's going to be a reprisal and there's going to be a consequence. So you really need to be calling out those things that aren't working and being able to say, "Hang on a second, you know, Andrew, we really needed that to happen this day in order for all these other things to happen." You can do that in a nice way, be kind, but it's not kindness because kindness I don't think helps anyone grow. That's a, a great last point you made there, and look, I, I'm a big, great collector of quotes. Uh, because they capture, in essence, the, the centre of something very important. Eleanor Roosevelt, the, the, uh, the, the wife of the four-term uh, US President, um, Franklin D. Roosevelt, one of her quotes says, to handle yourself, use your head, to handle others, use your heart. Yes. And something that I've deliberately had to work on myself is to, you know, don't confuse having a soft heart with having to actually deal with the matter quite yeah. firmly. And yeah. I believe you can yeah. too. If you separate the matter and let people understand this is not me being trying to be mean, yeah. uh, this is just me being truthful to you. My experience has been when you do that well where you're separating the issue from the person, yeah, uh, most people are very receptive yeah. to it. To your point earlier, you get that reaction, oh, no one's ever told me that. Mm. No one's ever given me feedback yeah. about that. And I know that when you start doing that, it can disturb people for a while and you see them, sure. you can yeah. see them grappling to try to reconcile, but then all of a sudden they settle again. Yeah. And from there that they, they probably have grown in some way. Indeed, you know, I find myself those moments when I interact like that, it, I actually feel like I grow too yeah, and, and become better at it. I, I need to pay respect to the, the work that was done back in uh, 2018, the Beyond Blue Answering the Call mm. research, which calls out poor workplace practices and culture as being equally debilitating as exposure to trauma. Mm. Given our respective agencies, yeah. particularly more paramedics than, than on our side of the fence, have to deal with some pretty awful stuff. To know that having a dysfunctional workplace, which means to me an unsafe workplace yeah. uh, psychologically, does the same damage mm. 
as what yeah. our people are exposed to yeah. on the road, or to use yeah. that expression, that to me is really concerning. And that that very part of that report, it, it kind of whacked me in the face. Yeah. I, I could not believe what I was hearing. And and now I've given myself a bit of uh, time to actually think about it and explore it a bit mm. more, to use the word you used earlier, become curious yeah, about curious. it. It really, to me, is meant that I've had I've doubled down on the notion that yeah I can't fix everything in any organization none of us can no. uh, but by gee whilst I'm here I'm going to keep working on this part yeah. because I know I can you know help influence yeah create a better uh, place for people to come to work I'm going to now move into the uh, the five the five questions sure. and, and and as I said to you earlier the five questions aren't necessarily things that you need to give a long response to you might even surprise yourself by what, how you answer <laughs> them but that's okay because this is about what comes what comes into your mind the first question is what do you wish you really understood that's a tricky question I think I like to understand where people come from and then I think that we can then learn how we can work better together. We're here to be with people and to feel like a person uh, rather than a role, and I think that that it just makes it enjoyable. Well, you speak, you're speaking to a humanist, so um, you're Good. not going to get any argument from me. <laughs> the second question is, what do you wish that other people understood about you? Yeah, that's interesting too. I think I have received feedback over my career that I can be quite direct. I do like to it as I see it but I do do it because I care and I want to understand. Given that feedback have, have you uh, and it's difficult for all of us as, as adults to yeah. make big profound shifts and sometimes we don't need to it's more yeah. the case of what do we supplement what do we add How to do our do approach that, yeah. to still be that person who you are at your core so yeah. what what did that feedback in terms of that was given to you some time ago yeah. what, what have you done since then which maybe makes it a little bit easier now? That, I just explain it. So I always say that I um, I like to understand what you see, what you experience, so I can actually help remove barriers. That's my role. Address issues, I suppose, um, to support the workforce, to deliver really high-quality services that are patient-orientated in order to ensure that our service has is sustainable and that for all of us we are safer as a workforce and safer as in the community as a, a person. And... So I do like to ask what's working, what's not, what are the barriers that I can yeah. remove? And I just think helping explain the context, people are usually much more open in sharing than what they see um, when they understand that I'm genuinely curious. I'm not just asking because I'm ticking a box. Thank mm. you. That, that's a great, a great supplementary answer. Three, in respect to your own leadership development and knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to the younger version of yourself? I think the advice I would give is you have to look after yourself in order to be the best person you can be in any workplace. Self-care is really important and I think that I've done it a bit harder than I needed to over the years. And I think sometimes you've just got to be a bit more compassionate to yourself and can't be too complacent, but I do think that you've got to look after, you know, ensure that you can recharge in order to perform better on Monday or, you know, the next day for your family. Just, yeah, I think self-care is really important. And yeah, and we could we could talk about in that. the linkage of that to resilience and all oh, that. And absolutely. we could do a separate podcast yeah. on that. But they do connect. Certainly the important next question, which is, if you had a magic wand, what's an ability you would give current leaders in your sector right now? 
I think there's so much going on that I think the biggest thing everyone needs is simplification, um, yep. not just in ambulance but in the oh, world. Yeah, it's got to be It's yeah. just yeah. Got, there's so much going on. There's so much information. There's so many things to do and I just think sometimes we've just got to get down to what's really important that we need to address and if we just address that then we actually take away a lot of those other things that challenge us but simplification I think is the thing we need to be focusing on for our people. My experience has been that uh, and this is probably an expression of myself when I'm when I feel like I'm at my best with my team it's when I'm able to cut through all this yeah. detail and, and white noise yeah. to, to actually land on what the key important things yeah. are that and then let people you know refocus now sometimes i can do it sometimes i don't do it sometimes i feel like i probably make things worse yeah for my team and trying to reconcile what it is that we're actually trying Overhelp, to achieve but yeah, yeah I I know. clarity is really important yeah but certainly yeah i i get that being able to cut through distractions distractions <laughs> and uh, just white and i keep saying the yeah, expression white, white noise, noise. Mm. it's 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 in our face all the time the last question which is a new question that i've first time I've used it, but I'm surprised I didn't get in here earlier, is what's a legacy you wish to be remembered for as a leader? I I really do like quotes as well. And I think Ralph Nader did it for me when he said, you know, our role as leaders is not to create followers, it's actually, actually to create other leaders. And I think that what I do try to do is to give people confidence to have a go. Yeah and to help support them along the way, I think, and to give honest feedback when it's required two-way in order to help them grow. And I think that if all of us had that type of support uh, in a very safe place, then I think we'd have a lot more leaders to come behind us and pick up that to-do list that you talked about Um, right at the beginning. And be able to do it in a manner where we provide a safe Yeah, and that we've done it better than I did it. Yeah, well, and yeah. it's this is quite interesting, and I wasn't going to go on, but I will because it's such an important thing. The notion of legacy, uh, which has you being required to accept that, yes, the life, this organisation, this sector yeah. will go on yeah. after we leave and that, you know, they might actually do it better. Absolutely. Now, accepting that, there must have been a time or a day, and it wasn't recent, but some time ago, where that started to sit very easily with me. And from there, I, I think it was a bit of a, uh, I could turn a corner and start thinking about the people who are coming behind me mm. and putting more effort in, yeah. into them because, you know, that's what legacy is. Oh, it is. It's actually a really important component of all of our roles is our succession. Like who's who are the five people that um, could literally pick it up and, take it on and continue it because, you know, probably one of the other lessons I would have for me as a younger person and certainly for those that are coming behind is as much as you want to, your to-do list that you, you know, I'm going to get it done tonight, it's going to be done, it's not going to be done. There's always going to be to-do that, otherwise your position's redundant, right? But we should be nurturing who's coming next and what does that look like and we should take great pride in they did it way better than we did. They were much smarter. They should have learned from your lessons, otherwise it's a lost opportunity yeah. and we haven't mentored well. What a great note to finish on. Dee, thank you very much Thanks uh, for, for very jumping in on this with me. This podcast series is all about trying to put a bit more light on the road for people uh, as they go down their own yeah. leadership journey. I wish you the best. Thank you. You too. Uh, and extraordinary times now. They're going to stay with us probably forever. 
in different yeah, ways. I think it's a new behaviour. Yeah, I, I think it is. But uh, even you know, touching briefly on the pandemic, I've been so impressed on watching how people can adapt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very clever. Yeah, so with that, again, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. And I look forward to seeing you in the corridors at different points as we rush past each as other we do. To, to our next mission. Thank you. Okay, Ta. thank you. Bye-bye.